It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. We're going to do that here today. Thanks for being with us. My name's Mike Bernard. Across from me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn. Between us, as always, Josh Gregory. You know, we often get asked, how do I stack up compared to my peers financially? Well, unfortunately, a recent study revealed that on average, the millennial generation is lagging behind previous generations in savings. What are the implications of this? And what can you do to avoid lagging behind yourself? That and more coming up in this hour. Don't play the compare game. Yeah. Don't do it. It'll rob, it will steal your joy. The interesting thing is finance people are all geeks. They're just nerds. And so we analyze numbers all day. And we're, we're going to see, is there any causation here, some correlation, but but the numbers are disappointing to see. So we're just going to, we're going to talk about it, but but don't compare yourself to others. All right. If you have a question for the show, we would love to hit it. We've got some great questions lined up for the second half of the program. Uh, you can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyradio.com. There's a section right there on the right where you can leave a question. There's also a section right there on the right where you can click and jump right over to the YouTube channel and watch us right now. Uh, So I'd encourage you, wherever you hang out on social media, you'll be able to find Wise Money. So just search Wise Money, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, connect, sorry, Wise Money Show. Connect with the show uh, in whatever medium you prefer. You can even leave questions, comments that way and easily share it, all that sort of stuff. So... All right. I hate to sensationalize headlines, but one in the Wall Street Journal caught my attention recently. And I'm just going to read the the article title. It's called Plain Catch-Up in the Game of Life, Millennials Approach Middle Age in Crisis. Now, if that doesn't seem clickbait, scream clickbait, then I don't know what it, I mean, middle age in crisis. Um, anyway, got my attention. So written by Janelle Adamy and Paul Overberg, basically says the new data shows millennials are in worse financial shape than every preceding living generation and may never recover. That is bleak. We're going to break down a little bit of the stats, but at a surface when I read that, I thought, okay, we've got to talk about that on the show. What do you, what do you guys think? Is this actually a problem? Not a problem. What What are your initial thoughts? I was completely distracted by the millennials being called middle-aged. Approaching middle-aged. As I know. a Gen Xer, I wondered what that meant for me. Oh, yeah, you're old. I That's am over the hill, apparently. Mm-hmm. But, and Just getting started, <laughs> young man. Yeah, exactly. No, you know what? I, we, we read these types of articles on a regular basis. I, I find them kind of interesting. I like reading the ones about Gen Xers personally because who doesn't like to read about their team, so to speak, their <laughs> generation, and uh, see can how re- you stack up. Can I request a trade? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. You guys know we talk about the, the you know, generational differences, and, and so we're well represented here. I, I'm just I'm just in the millennial group. Josh is Gen Xer. 
Webster and Kevin's greatest generation? Yeah, the silent generation. Was <laughs> just, just, just kidding, just kidding. So, uh, Kevin, what are, what's your initial take on this? I mean, I know, um, you know, you've got you've got a couple kiddos in Gen Z that are about to launch and are launching and making some financial habits. What are your thoughts just hearing this data? Well, I. I, I'm a political junkie, and so I love hearing about all this um, The as we're into the political season, what these various candidates are suggesting as solutions to our problems. Um, I'm interested to hear what they th- really think our problems are. And I, there's a, there are a lot of promises going around. Hey, we can do uh, free college, uh, free college for all, uh, free Medicare for all. Uh, free this, free that, and free the other thing. And if you were in the generation that is that's in the worst fiscal shape of of any generation uh, to date, you might listen to that and say, "Hey, yeah, I'm in, I'm in pretty rough shape financially. So some free stuff, you know, uh, college loan amnesty. That's a sweet deal." But I I have been telling any millennial who will listen without without being that guy is that you know what as a millennial there have been promises that have been made to your parents and grandparents that you're going to be on the hook for fulfilling so you you don't you may not realize this but you're going to be so you need to get your balance sheet nearly perfected so that you'll be in a position when taxes have to go up or other things need to happen and you need to fulfill these commitments that have been made to your parents and grandparents you actually financially can do that without sinking your own financial boat you know, part of my concern, though, about hearing some of these types of statistics and these comparisons is it, it kind of pulls you into the trap of comparing one generation to another. And I don't think prior generations should be the benchmark that any of us should compare ourselves to. We shouldn't be comparing our life to our parents or our grandparents. Really, the the standard or the measuring stick that we should use is Am, is my life unfolding the way that I expect it to or that I intend? Do I have a clear vision for where I want to go personally? And, and that's how why my decisions today will influence where I want my life ex- to go. Exactly. Right? And I'm glad that you brought up politics, though, Kevin, because a, a lot of folks would look at the millennial. I've never heard that before. I have never heard that statement. Can you say that again? I'm glad you brought up politics, Kevin. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Just once. That's enough. Uh, (laughs) No, because you look at a problem like this and you have to decide, is this an individual's problem or is it a societal problem? And even if there are major disadvantages, um, you could try to go solve those. But I think we as individuals all have to decide for ourselves how we're going to, to approach this. I was actually just having a conversation with my kids, kind of preaching to them when they're in the back seat, we're in the car, I've got a captive audience. And I was telling them, literally, this was just yesterday, I believe that we are we are born at the best time in the history of the world. No doubt. And it doesn't matter which generation you're in, the fact that you're living right now, you have it better than prior generations in some way. So to go compare your balance sheet or your you know, your cash flow, your your paycheck to other people is a distraction. Recognize that we have it really, really good and don't use these things as an excuse to not make your life better. And I 
and and I, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. And I I enjoyed hearing that. That's helping my perspective. And and yet, it seems as though instead of appreciating where we're at, there's some groups of folks that are just happy to point out the things that aren't going right. And and I actually, mm-hmm. when I look at the data that actually sort of suggests that, even in this article, it says someone is quoted saying, if we had zero student loans, we'd be married. But but because of all our student loan debt, we're not married. And anyway, but all right. So what does the data actually say here? Um, the millennial households have an average net worth of $92,000 or had that in just three years ago in 2016. The economy has been better. It's been improving over the last two and a half, three years. And so you'd hope that that's a little bit higher. However, when you compare that to Gen X households at the same time, so back in 2001, it, that is 40% less. Millennials have a net worth 40% less than Gen X and 20% less than where baby boomers were at that same time. And so student loans, I mean, if you're, if you're familiar with how a net worth is calculated, you add up all your assets, subtract out your liabilities, that gets you to your net worth. So a higher student loan balance, which I think we'd all say is, is on the minds of a lot of politicians and it's going to have an impact on the economy. It already is. Um, that's certainly would, would shrink that net worth, but also, you, there's some bad statistics about how much millennials are actually saving as well. So if you're not saving a lot and you have a little bit more debt, then yeah, that that net worth is going to be lower. But 40% lower was surprising for That's, for that's right. And it could be uh, just the fact that you know many millennials would prefer experiences over stuff. Mm-hmm. They would rather use the resources and enhance their life today than than save. But every time you make a comment like that, there's exceptions as well. Of course. And you can say, I don't fit that mold. And, and you don't have to. You don't have to be one of the stereotypes that are laid out in articles like this. Yes. Don't, don't be a label yourself. And, and so, all right. So what, what, poten- what other potential causes? What are the long-term consequences and effects? And then again, on a personal level, don't be a label. Don't be part of the label. What do you, what should you do to not be part of this statistic? So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Studies are showing that the this millennial generation is behind and falling behind the previous generations in accumulating wealth and building up their financial life. And okay, is there is that a problem, right? Or are they just enjoying life and, and choosing to spend their money in a different way? We're talking about that. And then what can you do to make sure that you're living the life that is going to take you down the path that you want, you know, right? So we're we're talking about all of that today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. If you have any questions, we're going to get to a few of them in the second half of the program. If you have questions you'd like us to cover on an upcoming program, you can reach out to us a few different ways. Call or text us, 574-222-2000. 
That's 574-222-2000. WiseMoneyRadio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right. You can also catch up on all the content right there. Wise Money Blog as well. WiseMoneyBlog.com is where you can find the blogs and everything else that we're thinking there. And all over social media, wherever you like to gather, uh, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, just search Wise Money Show and you'll find us, connect to us, and um, you can submit questions that way as well. So, all right, right now we're just jumping into a, a recent study and article written by the Wall Street Journal that, that says the millennial generation has a current net worth that's 40% below the Gen Xers at the exact same time when, you know, when comparing them apples to apples, the, uh, the millennial households are about 40% behind and about 20% behind baby boomers. So we've talked a little bit about causes. What, what are some causes, but also what are some of the long-term consequences? Um, go ahead. I, I think some of the causes, uh, you know, there's there's a lot been written about just the timing of when the millennial generation was entering the workforce. And it was at a time when unemployment was really high. It, it wasn't a sure thing that when you'd graduate from high school or from college that you had a job waiting for you. You may struggle for a little while. And there were many people that just had to keep down even a series of part-time jobs just to kind of make ends meet. And that's a that's a tough way to begin your working career or your adult phase of life. You know, you're not hitting the ground running necessarily. You don't immediately get started saving for long-term goals or investing for the future. Maybe you've um, struggled to get some of the debt wiped out as fast as you would, would hope to. Or maybe just the debt itself from student loans, for example, is larger than uh, what, what you really intended. And because of that, it's causing a lot of people to pass on things like saving for retirement into their retirement plan at work or buying a home. And both of those were powerful ways to get some some great growth potential on your own balance sheet because home prices were really low for a stretch there. Mm-hmm. And interest rates were really low for a while, but if you weren't a buyer, you couldn't take advantage of it. And the market being down was a fantastic investment opportunity for a while. But if you weren't a saver or an, an investor at the time, then you didn't get to ride that wave for the past 10 years. One of the things that the study points to here, which, I, I, in fact, I know some of our listeners are are um, very, very astute in their research and academics in this very, this very issue, so uh, would have more insight than I would. But, but they talk about wage growth being a problem over the past ten years as these millennials have entered the workforce, and and you know, I, I think that could be an issue. The question over, well, is that unjust? Well, we, you know, 10 years ago, we were coming off of the worst recession since the Great Depression. So very high unemployment. And so employers possibly couldn't afford to increase wages, but also there was just a glut, a big supply of, of 
workers out there that wanted jobs. And so if you look back at history, it's not until we enter the later stages of the growth cycle in an economy that you actually see wages start picking up, which what we're seeing right now. So, but that's the negative side of it. The positive side is that inflation has also been held in check as well. Right. Life hasn't been getting significantly more expensive every year that goes by. Um, and so, you know, flat wages with flat prices can be tolerable. Sure. But, you know, the, the other impact on, on wages, I believe, um, has to do with your approach to your career. And if you are a job hopper, let's say, some people believe that they can actively kind of jockey from one position to another in their career and hope to be climbing the corporate ladder, you know, each step a, a better one than the, than the prior. On the other hand, there's something to be said about being um, loyal or consistent with a career so that you can gain skills and experience um, that, that really can pay great dividends for your whole career. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so if we talk about some of the consequences long-term, there's a couple in here that maybe you haven't thought of. I have because I'm, you know, I'm a geek, but it spells it out here. You know, for whatever the reason, whether it's just prolonged adolescence or people want to um, enjoy their youth or have more experiences or, or whatever, but, you know, the data is showing, and I've seen it with my friends and, and my surroundings, people are getting married later, they're having kids later, and they're having fewer kids. Right now, it is projected that Social Security in 2035 when nearly all baby boomers will be retired, there'll be 2.2 workers per person on Social Security. How That's projected in 2035. Last year, there were 2.8 workers per one person on Social Security. And in this great Ponzi scheme, which is Social Security, we need more workers feeding the system to pay the retirees. The current birth rate right now in America is 1.8 children, and that is going to continue to bring this gap in Social Security. So um, one of the individuals uh, at the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College said, hey, if this continues, if this is a permanent trend, it's not just an anomaly, we are going to have to rethink taxation and social funding because our population is going to be growing at a slower rate in the future. And population growth is one of the, the key metrics that goes into all the forecasts of how the economy is going to keep on growing and evolving over time. Yeah. So it's either birth rate or immigration. Those are the two ways that you grow your population, right? Yeah. So and and if you're not gonna solve it by keeping the population where it needs to be, you're gonna have to solve it by moving back the age where you can begin the entitlement programs. You're yeah. gonna have to solve it by increasing uh, taxes. You're gonna have to solve it by making Social Security even more like the free lunch program, mm -hmm. where it will be means tested, and if you don't, if, if you've uh, accumulated too much money, we're gonna take more of it from you. Yeah. 
I think what we're painting a picture of is just that the future is going to keep on changing, yeah. right? And regardless of what generation you're in, you have to be able to adjust your plan and have a, a wise response to whatever the changing winds bring your direction. And of course, you know, this is a show about financial planning, not about politics, but um, you, you have to be aware of some of those trends and how it could have an implication for you and your family. And uh, of course, we believe that that begins today. It begins with you getting your financial life in a stronger position, not because prior generations were stronger than you right now, but because your financial position needs to be better tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Right. I mean, this uncertainty about what the future is going to bring, I, I think that's the first time we're facing that. Just kidding. No. Every, <laughs> it, it's, always, it, it's always unknown. So the point is, be prepared. And if there's a variety of potential outcomes, and some of them, you know, there's always a few on the delightful side, a few on the scary side, but be prepared financially. So here's the question. We're going to dig into this a little bit more in a little bit more detail, but how are you preparing right now? Now, financial advisors get a bad rap. Anytime I see some friends or clients out at the at the mall or uh, at a restaurant, they always say, "Oh, it's in the budget!" Like I caught them <laughs> with their with their hand in the cookie jar. No, have some fun. Have some fun. I, you know, we your your comprehensive financial planner is on your side. They want you to have fun and have those life experiences. It's just in in balance, in balance. And so, uh, so how do you make sure you've got balance? We're going to talk about some of the decisions you should be making right now to make sure you're prepared for whatever comes your way to achieve the future that you want financially. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. No matter where you are in your financial life, today is a new day. And what's happened in the past, maybe even developed habits, guess what? We are hardwired. We can change them. So if you, if your habits and your actions are bringing you on a path that leads you to the life you want, awesome. Keep doing it. If you think, oh, no, I might not be, you know, I don't like where this path leads, you can get on a different path today. We're going to talk to you about how some things that you can do to get ready financially, make sure you have a stable financial position. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name's Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. As always, we have been blessed with some amazing sponsors for the show. Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies has been with us from the beginning. Thank you very much. As well as Diane Bennett and her Inspired Homes team serving Indiana and Michigan. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you very much. If you have any questions for the show or just want to connect with the show, uh, you can do so a few different ways. Uh, wherever you're at in social media, you can find Wise Money Show. Just search on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and I'd encourage you, whichever your favorite way is, connect to it, subscribe to it so that any content and all content that we're pushing out, you get notified immediately. You can catch up on. So whether that's a blog, whether that's a short instructional video, or whether that's a new episode of Wise Money, um, connect with us on on those mediums wherever you do your social media, and and um, we'll stay in touch. You can also leave 
uh, questions right there as well, and we can go from there. If you are uh, on your phone, want to call or text in a question, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then last money online, sorry, lastly online, wisemoneyradio.com. All right, so some new studies have come out showing millennials are sort of trailing behind previous generations at this point in their life, but there's hope. What should you be doing right now to make sure that you're building wealth and that you're on the right path financially? Well, I think that begins with making sure that you do have financial stability in your life. And that's one of the ways that you kind of build in the the antidote for um, uncertainty of the future. Having strong um, financial reserves for the unexpected. I also look at, you know, this was actually referenced in the article that the millennial generation, I believe, has more credit card debt than prior generations as well. Is the number around ten grand? did I read? Oh, I yeah, 10000 in credit card debt. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if that's at an interest rate of 15% on average or more, you're bleeding a lot of interest and you're carrying a lot of... Uh, obligations each month because there may also be car loans and student loans still in in your life as well. So becoming more aggressive at getting the debt wiped out so that you have more freedom, more control over your cash flow, I think is maybe the first step you should be thinking of. Yeah, I think about debt. Who who were the, the guys in Las Vegas who had those tigers? Do you remember? Oh, oh. Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, so these guys tried to kind of tame these tigers, and then one of the tigers did what tigers do. Yeah. And I'm thinking, people are like that with debt. They're like, well, I've got this tiger here, but I can tame it, and I can, I can get it to do tricks, and, you know, the sweater that's on sale, I can just I'll put it on the card, and then I'll pay 18% interest on it. Well, guess what? That sale wasn't such a great sale after all right. if I'm paying interest on it. So I, th- I think if, if I were you and I were a millennial, you know, my go-to is always going to be, you know, get a financial planner. And you might say, well, I'm not quite ready for that. Okay, well, here's, then I'll give you a simpler and easier step. Go on the YouTube, and after you're done watching The Wise Money Show, go flip over to Simon Sinek and ha- listen to him talk about your why. And I would, get, I would do some, some introspection, and I'd say, what is my why? What is the big yes I am saying yes to? And when you are ready to get yourself in a, in a, pow, in a position of financial power, then, then you can have a powerful why. You can have a powerful yes. What am I saying yes to? Because if I know what I'm saying yes to, it's much easier to say no to these other things. And you might need to say, for a season of life, I'm going to defer and delay gratification. Because mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of folks have been on this, I'm going to defer and delay paying my student loan debt. I'm going to delay these other things. No, I would get to a point where you are animalistic and the the tiger isn't going to be your pet. You're going to slay the tiger. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. gone. So you have to develop within you this hatred of debt. 
and and that's a tool so that's not necessarily a bad thing but if if you've got a bunch of it on your balance sheet and the debt is in any way financing your lifestyle it, you, that's it's just a mistake and and I'm not saying that to be critical or poke in the eye I'm just saying you don't want to do that and if you've done that don't take energy to be remorseful. Take that energy to turn the corner and turn over a new leaf. Do it today. Do it this afternoon. Write down uh, this afternoon. Write down your goals. What's important to you? And how am I going to start making changes? Well, and you take that same question of why this and what am I saying yes to, when you apply that to the details of your life, specifically the details of your cash flow, we often call that budgeting, but maybe the better term is just having a cash flow plan, deciding what you're going to direct your money towards as you earn it. And if unfortunately a lot of it is going towards obligations and commitments you made in the past, you've got to rid yourself of that so that you have choice in the future. And there may be opportunities coming that, you know, the the investment world, for example, it goes through ups and downs. And uh, we've had a long, very prolonged upward trend in the stock market. And if you're a millennial listening today, you may not have ever had the opportunity to truly invest during one of the typical slumps that happen. Those great buying opportunities that only come around so often. And the only way that you will take advantage of it and get the slingshot effect of buying low to someday sell high is if you have cash flow available to direct towards your investments. And that that unfortunately requires the hard work of finding margin in your cash flow. Right. And don't make the mistake that a lot of the pre... If you want to compare yourself to previous generations, compare yourself to the Gen Xers and the baby boomers who in 2008 and nine said, hey, listen, I want to stop my systematic savings program till the market comes around, mm-hmm. which would be the equivalent of going to, um, and I'm not hip, so I don't know, is that American Eagle or <laughs> which, which one of these clothing stores? Abercrombie or... Benetton. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you're going to one of these stores when they've got a 50% off sale and you say, hey, listen, can you set that aside? I want to come back and buy it when it's marked up to full price. And you say, well, I'd never do that with my clothing choices. So don't do not do that with your investment choices, but be ready. And Josh, at the, at the risk of going on a little bit of a rant here, you're talking about cleaning stuff up. I can tell you this, in the morning, when after I've eaten, I think I'm going to make some great choices for the rest of the day as it relates to eating. But you know what? At about 8 o'clock at night, if one of my children is in the kitchen and they're eating, my ability to make great choices somehow just (laughs) goes out the window. (laughs) So what you have to do is you have to prepare in advance to make those great choices. And a lot of the great financial choices get are because it's automated. I don't have to rethink or redecide every two weeks when I get paid. I've got a plan and the decisions are already made. Mm. So what you heard there is have, a, have a, an aggressive, I think Kevin said an animalistic posture towards debt there, like right a tiger. Uh, it, it don't, don't be comfortable with debt. Slay that tiger. Um, build up reserves so you're prepared for whatever life throws at you, 
and then have margin in your life. Be a net saver. You might have heard this said before, pay yourself first. You might have heard if you're married, live off of one income. Um, yeah, they're just different catchphrases for just be a net saver. And, and then lastly, you heard invest in the market do, and do it automatically. And I would agree with all of those things. But um, if I'm keeping score, the one I like the most is you're never going to do those things if you don't have a great why, if you don't have a compelling future. If today's so good, you'll just keep living for today. So no, I'd encourage you to have a, have a great why. So, all right, we've got several questions from fans of the show. We're going to jump into those next here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, or if you've missed anything on the program today, and you want to catch up on it, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I've been contemplating a lot the research that we talked about today. And if you're watching on YouTube, um, you just heard a little bit of bonus content about what again might be causing this and why and uh it's interesting so if you've missed anything today you can catch up on each episode a few different ways again uh find us on youtube we've got a youtube channel it has all of the previous episodes right there you can watch them all uh, as well as other videos as well just search wise money show and subscribe to it and then click that little bell as well to be notified anytime we drop new content same thing on facebook twitter instagram you can find us uh just search wise money wise money show every episode is podcast as well i i listen to oh at least one, if not two podcasts a week. If that's you as well, you can find us. Just search Wise Money Show or Wise, yeah, Wise Money Show. You can find us right there wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and then lastly, there's an online media player as well. Go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can listen to every episode. The full archive is right there, right there while you're at work or whatever. And you can even submit a question to the show, make a comment right there as well on that page. All right, we're transitioning to do uh, questions from fans of the show. The first one is Jill. She's 45 from New Prairie. My son uh, just graduated. He's about to head off to Ball State here any day now. The money that I'm planning on using to pay his first semester, should I quickly sneak that into a 529 plan or do I just pay the bill? I mean, you're, you got to make that decision right now. Right. And I can tell, Jill, you've been listening to this show for a while because every so often we remind folks about how the 529 plan works and some of the unique features of it here in Indiana. So assuming you're in New Prairie, Indiana, not some New Prairie, Iowa or something, (laughs) um, in, in Indiana, 529 plans have an extra special feature to them because when you contribute to the college choice 529 plan in the state, you get a a little bit of a a tax break. It's a tax credit on your Indiana tax return. And I say a little bit, but it's actually a really lucrative deal here. It's 20% of the first 5,000 that you contribute. So 
if you've got 5,000 saved up and it's all teed up and ready to be sent to Ball State here in the fall or late summer, it's wise of you to pause and say, you know what, should I be funneling this money through the 529 plan first? Mm -hmm. And that is definitely a recommendation that we often make to, to folks. And you might think, well, that's not what a 529 plan is built for, though, is it? And you're right. It, it was built to be a savings vehicle for future expenses, but there is this loophole that exists, and they haven't closed it. It's still something you can take advantage of. You can put the money in and pull it right back out for immediate expenses. Michigan closed the loophole, so if you're if you're if it's New Prairie, Michigan, I don't think <laughs> I don't think there is one. Although there are some interesting cities in Michigan, Christmas. Yeah, Michigan. Yeah. There's one AT double hockey sticks is Michigan right. as well. Yep, and uh, uh, gay Michigan. We used to go to the gay parade in. Uh, it's in the Upper Peninsula. Interesting. Fourth uh, of July is awesome. Got it. And a little little town called Kentwood. Kentwood as well. But in Big Rapids. And, but you know, there's a Michigan city in Indiana. Oh, that's Who would have thought? So I think. I, uh, am I cutting you off? Well, just that in Michigan, if you contribute, you can get a tax deduction, but that deduction is offset by any withdrawals you make from the 529 plan. Not so in Indiana. They give yeah. you the benefit on the contribution. So just just to get you caught up, if you, if you are, in, this is a jargon-free zone, so if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, a 529 plan is an education savings plan, but they're state-specific. So you say, well, why are we talking about the Indiana versus the Michigan versus the Illinois? It, they're all different. Mm -hmm. And the benefit to each of them, to saving into each of them, is different. So the original idea was I can take after-tax money, invest it, it can grow tax-deferred, and then when I pull it out for higher education, I don't pay any tax on the growth of that money. So then in a normal scenario, if you said, hey, my son's going to school this Right. fall, go Cardinals, uh, should I put money into a 529 plan? You'd say, well, no, do not do not mess around with that. Because it's not going to grow. You shouldn't invest it where it would grow. You're using the money. So mm -hmm. Right. But yeah. because of the credit in, in Indiana, if you haven't put five, if you pay taxes in the state of Indiana, if you haven't put $5,000 in to capture the maximum $1,000 credit, then you should do that. But when you do that, make sure you don't put it in to one of the investment options. Make sure you put it into the, you know, the, the college savings, uh, the college tuition portfolio or uh, yeah, exactly what Something safe that's not going to be fluctuating with the markets, right? But it's been interesting to watch how this evolves because you used to think, well, I'm only going to do a 529 plan if I've got a, a long term and what do I do? Well, now in the state of Indiana, the, here are a couple other interesting uses for the 529 plan. So if you, we have lots of um, folks that we serve who are Amish and typically they're done with school in the eighth grade. But they changed in 2018. It, it, up to 2018, you could only use a 529 plan without any of the penalties if you were using it for higher education. Well, that for most of our Amish friends, that, that took them out of the running for it to make sense to have a 529 plan. But now, if you live in the state of Indiana, you can use that money for K through 12. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to parents who are saying, what do I do? I know I'm going to want my my uh, my child to go to Stanley Clark School, my, my one-year-old. And I'm saying, well, if you want them to go to Stanley Clark School, then make sure you're putting that money in the 529 plan. But don't put it in the investment one because you're going to be using – you could be using that in, in five years. Yeah. So th- so it there are some interesting planning approaches to using the 529. I've even um, – with with my son Caleb who recently graduated and some of his friends who have graduation money but they also have a job well what should I do with this money Hmm. you should look at what your state income tax bill is going to be for 2019 and maybe you should put just a little bit, not maybe not the whole five thousand, but enough money that your your state income tax bill would be absorbed by that credit. Yeah, you know, you you're kind of hitting on some of these late stage college planning ideas, which is your son Caleb's situation. It's also the scenario that Jill played out as well. And um, you, you know, it's always interesting. We have lots of new folks who come into our office for the very first time. They've never worked with a financial advisor. And it's often as uh, parents are launching kids from the nest, they're finishing out the college years, and they want to start turning their attention to retirement. So we'll often meet people in their 50s who are finishing up those college years, and they've never done exactly what Jill is talking about. This this idea of making contributions into the 529 plan, even while your kids are in school, gets missed all the time. Yeah. And so if you have college anywhere on the horizon, out in the future, or, or present day right now, like Jill's situation, I hope that you are seeking out the help of a financial advisor who can not only listen to those huge goals that you have of educating your kids and getting them a great start in life, but your own retirement as well. And how do you formulate a plan that considers all of it and takes advantage of any of the tax savings opportunities available to you? That's really what financial planning is all about. And Jill, you asked such an amazing financial planning question. Thank you for uh, for giving it to us today. I, I can't help but draw the connection with this question to the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. That Jill, you're in a position where you're able to, it sounds like, help with college and will be paying a little bit out of, out of cash flow. And you're looking for a tax benefit. Oftentimes people come in to our office and say, how can I save money on taxes? Well, you need money. I mean, you actually need to have some money that you're going to defer or do something with in order to get a tax break. Another way of saying that is you need to delay some gratification. You need to take some money that you're not going to spend right now and put it somewhere else. And so... So don't don't associate with labels, but you millennials that statistically are falling behind, no, get ready, get ready, get your financial house in order so that you have the ability to say yes to some pretty awesome tax benefits in the future. So, all right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of myself and Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.